Hey everyone, welcome to episode 32 of the Go-Getters podcast. Today we're here at Milwaukee Excellence Charter School with its founder, Maurice Thomas, who is also the principal and a self-proclaimed amazing rap star. Just performances weekly here at the <laughs> charter school. Um, before that, Maurice was the 2010 Teach for America Teacher of the Year, then served as the executive director for Teach for America before going on to found Milwaukee Excellence. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us here today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Richie. Awesome. So, um, Maurice, what's your backstory? Where did you grow up? Did you ever dream of being a teacher, starting a school, being a rapper maybe, or not? Yeah, that's, that, those weren't in the cars um, initially. Um, I grew up here in Milwaukee, born and raised on 33rd and Meineke, so a block north of North Avenue. Um, was raised by a single mom. Uh, my dad left when I was very young. So it was my mom and my grandma who raised me. And so um, I think that I'm sitting here because I had my mom, my grandma, and great teachers who helped me to high expectations and really kicked my butt and made sure I went to school every day. And now I'm here, and so Milwaukee's my home. And so it took me a while to get back here, um, but I'm glad I'm here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so through your childhood, grew up single, parent household, then you eventually went on to UW, right? Yeah, so... Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I went that to... achievement? Definitely. I went to Rufus King High School. At Rufus King, I graduated near the top of my class, 3.8 GPA. Got a full tuition scholarship to UW-Madison. When I think about my opportunities, those opportunities were different than a lot of my family members. Not many people in my family went off to college. Not many people in my family had an opportunity to get college paid for for free. And so when I went to UW-Madison, I had four of the best years of my life because it was a ton of fun. But I also realized that there weren't a lot of people who looked like me on this campus. So this beautiful space where I, was, where I was able to get this free education. People who looked like me were not getting them. And so I said, I had to do something about it. And so I think it was at the end of my senior year. Um, I majored in theater and poli-sci. So right. teaching was the furthest thing away from what I wanted to do when I graduated. But I heard about a program called Teach for America. And they're training people to go all across the country to educate kids that look like me. And I said, I need to get involved with this. I need to do it. And so on a whim, I applied for Teach for America. I got in. I canceled my LSAT. So I was on my way to law school. And I said, I'm going to join Teach for America. I'm going to become a teacher. Um, when I graduated from UW-Madison, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia to become a high school history teacher. I taught there for two years, had two of the very best years of my life. And so if Madison were... The first four amazing years of my life, that time in Atlanta teaching high school history changed my life. It was transformational for me. I taught at a school that was 100% black. 100% of the students received free or reduced lunch, so it was a very impoverished neighborhood. Um, on average, 50% of kids graduated, and of that 50% that graduated, 30% were matriculated to college. And so I remember my principal telling me the stats of that school, and I said, we have to change this. So I started doing Saturday school every Saturday from 8 to 12. I would teach English, science, social studies, and math. I raised $2,000 so my students would get Princeton Review to come in and do ACT and SAT prep. Princeton Review only gives you six weeks worth of courses. We needed two years worth of courses. And so um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I copied the textbooks and gave them out to my students so we could do it every day before school and after school. And over the course of two years, 100% of my students graduated, 100% went off to college in Atlanta. What makes you so driven? You don't hear these stories often. You go down to Atlanta, you look at the odds, they're terrible, right? And 
you're staying after, you're working with these kids, you're teaching on the weekends, you're going out of your way to copy the textbooks so you can continue teaching when Princeton Review won't come anymore. Why are you doing all this? What's your motivation? I don't know what else to do. Um, when you hear some of the things that are happening in our city and in our community, um, for me, I just think about how can I use my talents or things that I'm good at in order to make the situation better. And one thing I've been successful in is teaching. Um, I've also sort of was always born with this like hustle and drive to do more. And so when it comes to our students, um, I always say I'm, I'm selfish on their behalf. And so I want to make sure that they get the very best of what we could provide them. So here at Milwaukee Excellence, we took all of our students to Washington, D.C. last year. We want to take all of our seventh graders this year to Atlanta, Georgia to do a civil rights tour. They can also see where I started my teaching career. And so I don't know what else to do when you see the odds are only one in 10 kids growing up in this community will go and graduate from college on time. I know we have to work harder and we have to work smarter. And so that's why I put in the time, that's why I put in the effort, and that's why I hired the fantastic people who work at this school um, to do the work because we don't know what else to do. I think we're all a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. And then it, you talk about Milwaukee, so there's a 58% graduation rate for black kids compared to 88%. The rest of the state, eighth grade reading level of this ethnicity in this area is the worst out of any country or any um, you know, area in America. You said on the news, if I didn't think Milwaukee could come back, I would not have come back. Can you talk about you know, seeing those statistics, yet seeing some light at the end of the tunnel? What's, what's your vision to turn this around? Yeah, I think it was in 2010 when I was in Atlanta, and someone forwarded me an article from the paper here in Milwaukee, and it said, largest race-based achievement gap in the country, Wisconsin. I think that's why I came back. I came back because I know the people in this community. Even looking at my family members, many of them more talented than I. Um, and just thinking, well, what can I do to make sure that they get the same opportunities that I have? And so that's part of the reason why I came back. I also came back because this is my home, right? I can't, have, I can't send someone else to take care of my home. It's my home. And so I came back because who else is gonna do the work? Um, I need to be one of the people who's doing the work. This is my community. Awesome, and you, you say um, you know, you're wired with this hustle mentality. How many of, or you're born with this hustle mentality, how much of that do you think you're wired that way and how much of that did your mom and grandma instill in you? Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's probably 50-50. Um, my mom is someone who is relentless in her, um, in her, in her desire for us, and I'm talking about my brothers and sisters to do great things. So I'm the oldest of four. My brother just graduated uh, from UW-Madison two years ago, and my sister will start her freshman year in three weeks at UW-Madison. And so in a very short period of time, by my mom changing her life outcomes by, even at 17, um, having me, she went to MATC, she got her degree, so she is now a registered nurse. By her going to college, it set the pathway for all of us to go to college. And so now she has three badgers, right? And my youngest sister, she's only nine years old, so she'll be the fourth badger. And so by my mom changing her life outcomes by going to college, it changed mine, and it changed the rest of my families. And so um, I think I got a lot from just modeling after her by seeing her. And I think the schools I went to, 
I went to schools where people were in the debate club, they were in math club, they were captains of, you know, three sports. And so when I went to Rufus King, I was captain of two sports. I was the vice president of the Spanish Honor Society and the National Honor Society. Um, I graduated in the top 10% of my class just because that's what everyone else did. And it's sort of weird, so when you see other people around you, when you see your peers um, doing these amazing things, you say, hey, I can do some of those things too. Yeah. And so I think it was a combination of all those factors that led to me being sort of in this space right now. Yeah, for sure. Can you talk about the struggles getting the school off the ground? Obviously, you know, it's great now you've grown from 80 to 220 students just in one year, but I know you faced some controversy from the city getting this off the ground. How did you push through? Yeah, if I talk about my time in Madison in those two years directly after um, teaching in Atlanta as like the best like six year window um, of my life, I would say the last two and a half, three years have been the hardest. Um, I spent 2014 and 2015 traveling the country through a program called Building Excellence Schools where I was able to see the best um, middle schools and high schools in America. And as I was doing that, I was writing my charter for Milwaukee Excellence. And I submitted that in January of 2015. And in April of 2015, our charter came up for um, approval with the Milwaukee Public Schools um, Board. And we got four yes votes, four no votes, and one school board member abstained. So in a nine-person panel, a tie vote is a no vote. And so our charter was denied. So I spent a year of my life traveling the country, trying to get the charter approved. My entire family was in the audience watching me um, get my charter denied. And so I tried to be strong. I remember going out into the hallway and just crying like a baby um, in front of all the people who had been rooting for me and cheering on Milwaukee excellence. Um, but we didn't give up. We came back um, three months later uh, and our charter was finally approved. And so I had to go back, I had to rewrite um, lots of sections of the charter. We had to pack out the audience um, in July, I think, when our charter came back up for review, we finally got it approved. Um, but that was just the start. And yeah. so now I have to go out and recruit 120 families. We didn't do that. We ended up with 90 families. Um, while I was recruiting families, um, in that window, I had my first child in December of um, that year on Christmas Day. So I had a Christmas baby, the greatest gift I've ever had, my daughter Reese. But she was born six weeks early. And so I spent 25 days in the hospital with a premature baby. Uh, at the same time, I was supposed to be out building a charter school. And so when you think about the sort of emotional toll that took on me and my life, uh, it was difficult, you know? And so I had to put the school aside for an entire month because there's something that was more important, it was my daughter that I had to focus on. And so it was, it was a very emotional and difficult time to get the school off the ground. How did your daughter being born premature change your perspective on everything? I think what it told me is that the things that I'm driving towards and things that I'm hustling towards, are, while they're important, they're not as important as my family. And now what I recognize is that's the same way every person who enrolls their student at this school feels about their kid. The way I felt about my daughter, and I mean, we had to have her in the hospital, we're feeding her through a tube every three hours. And so we had to live at the hospital with her across from the intensive care unit. Now I know how every other parent feels about their kid when they come into this school. And so when you think about that, that changes how you decide to run a school. That changes how you go about building a school. Because I wanna take the same care that I took with my daughter 
with every single parent who decides to trust me with their child. And so it was no longer just a numbers game. It was a relationship game. So what I did was I sat on every couch of every parent who enrolled their kid the first year. I did a home visit for every family. If I couldn't do a home visit, I invited them somewhere out to meet me, to do coffee. I did phone calls constantly because I wanted them to know that I'm going to take the same care with their child that I'm taking with mine. And so it really changed our approach. And I think that's why the culture and the relationships you see at Milwaukee Excellence are, are different than some other schools. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about your way to relate to these kids. A lot of them come from broken homes. They come in here and you can see they all, you hold their attention, which isn't easy to do for that age. Mm -hmm. You have their respect. You know, you're up there, you're um, instilling these habits, having them sit up straight. They actually have to earn their lockers through good behavior. And on the other hand, you're, you're rapping, you're having fun. It seems like a great mix of discipline, instilling habits that are going to help them in life, as well as having fun and being able to connect with them. Can you touch on that? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting mix um, that you have to balance in the school, right? So not all of our students come from, um, I don't know, one sort of economic um, rung. Um, some, of our some of our parents drive up to school and they have very nice vehicles and live in very fancy homes that are bigger than my own home. Um, and so what I have to say is, what are the assets that our students already have? How can I pull that out of them and make it a part of the school? And so our kids are super smart and they're super talented. And so I say, okay, then I'm gonna get you reading all the time and I'm gonna give you uh, an opportunity to use the morning meeting as a stage to have that fun. And so we have three students who are excellent drummers that we have drum in our morning meeting every day. Okay. I got to witness that. You got to see that today. Yes. Okay. One of my talents um, is rapping. Okay. Uh, I use the term talent loosely when it comes to myself. <laughs> I think you're pretty good. I, I think I like to do it, yeah. so I do. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time at UW-Madison freestyle battling my friends before we would go out and uh, party. And so I'm just using those same talents now. And so I try to create an environment that allows our students to have fun, um, but also tie it to what I expect in the school. And so we spend a lot of times so we're going over how we do school at Milwaukee Excellence. And if students don't do it right, we do it again, and they get another opportunity to do it again. Mm -hmm. So you do a longer school day, a longer school year, to get in more math and science, right? Yep. Do you think, once you see the results, any of what you're doing here is gonna rub off on MPS and the city as a whole? Yeah, I think some of the things that we're already doing, um, we stole from other schools across the country. Yep. And so hopefully some people steal some things from us. So yeah, we do the double reading, we do the double math. Um, our students get 150 minutes of math and 150 minutes of reading every day, reading instruction and math instruction. And so I would probably say that's probably higher than any other school in the city. We started our school year on August 9th. So I think we were the second earliest starting school. The reason why we do it is because we want as many school days as possible in the school year because some of our students are coming in two or three grade levels behind. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm making a promise to mom that by ninth grade your child will read on the grade level and that by grade 13, which is freshman year of college, um, that they can go to the four-year college of their choice, um, then we, we just have to do it differently. And uh, I always tell people, like, I'm not a wizard. I can't just make someone learn to read magically. Um, but if we take more time and we're more deliberate, we can get them there. Yeah. Um, 
Questions from the fans. Raina Andrews, friend of the show, asks, what, were you, what will your students say about you when they return for their 10-year reunion? That's a good question. That's a great question. Um, I think what they'll say is, every single day, Mr. Thomas told me um, that he loved me. Um, and I think that they'll say that they've never had someone push them as hard as I'm going to push them. Um, and I think they'll say them, they've never had someone who's not related to them um, every single day come in and give them an unconditional positive regard no matter what happened the day before. That's great. Um, switching gears, Ian Abstin was wondering what is your inspiration for rapping? <laughs> My inspiration for rapping? Um, I'm a huge Drake fan, and yeah. so uh, I like Drake because his raps are somewhat casual, and he's always mixing up his flows, and so I like to do it too. I'm also not very good, and so if I can get a hot Drake beat, it just it always takes my flow to the next level um, because Drake never gets on a bad beat, um, and I think it's it's a way for me to put myself out there for the students, right? So I don't rap because students like rap. I rap because it's a way for me to be vulnerable in front of my students. So every single day I ask students to go to the board and do a math problem or read out loud or do some hard task that they have to do in front of a teacher and 29 other students. And so it's a great way for them to see their principal up in front of 240 students and 12 teachers making mistakes and having to do yeah. it again. You don't always get to see the, you know, the, the first take or the second take many times with the videos you're watching on the third day of me doing the reps and so they get to see me make mistakes too and I let them know it's okay to make mistakes yeah. you know be a risk taker though but be brave and, and come up to the board and, and give it a, and give it a try yeah yeah for sure um, greatest desire for the school what do you hope the school accomplishes you know 15 years down the road I just hope that this is a place where every single parent who shows up knows that from grade 6 to grade 12 that their child is on the path to college and we need to prove that every year, year over year. And so if we can become that school, uh, the sort of standard bearer to say, this is what excellence looks like, that's why we put it in the name, um, that's what we want to be. And so no questions asked, four-year college, you sign them up, we'll get them there. Mm -hmm. Final question, um, you've created all this, obviously you've accomplished a lot for Teach for America. What are you most proud of? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. I don't. I probably should take more time to like reflect and say like what I'm what I'm thankful for. I think I'm just thankful for the relationships that I built over this time, for the people who have helped me to build this school. Um, I'm very proud of the school that we've built, but I'm also not satisfied, right? And so it's so part of me to say like I'm very proud of like what we've accomplished because we have so much more to accomplish. But I think I'm proud that we're able to have this school and we have so many people you know who support us from MPS to donors to our families um, who all say that this is the school that they want in this community so I feel very proud that we were able to to build that sort of network from walking awesome well thanks so much for coming on and for all you're doing for the city and thank you so much and thank you for having me yeah